0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. This week we have Chris Daubertine of SB Nation, and he is going to talk to us about the bubble, about the bracket, and get you guys ready for conference tournaments. So I hope you enjoy this discussion with, uh, with Chris. So um, I'm excited to have Chris Dobertine from SB Nation, and he is going to talk to us about a bunch of things, starting with what happened last night with the Gators and uh, how this resume that Florida has is, is evaluated from a selection committee process. Because we get kind of myopic on our show, like, hey, here's what we think they need to do next. Um, what is Florida's resume (laughs) and welcome and thank you for joining us again thanks for having me again Neil (laughs) boy
1: yeah last night was you you wait all day for that game and it comes and it's just like what did you guys forget to you know show up (laughs) are you still waiting for this game too what this is this is not so good
0: (laughs) yeah it was so bad and and um you know I thought and and you know, because people that listen to the show know that we've we've been and, and continue to be, uh pretty pretty nice advocates for Coach White. Yeah. But there were some there were some coaching I mean it was just like a wholesale program loss last night. Yeah. I mean, it, nobody doubles Claxton until late in the second half. <laughs> yeah. After you beat LSU and Baton Rouge by doing that. Um and just all sorts of things that it was just really confusing. And, and we talked off air, and I wanted to you know, let our listeners know. I mean, you kind of have a, a theory that perhaps some of Florida's struggles at home are less cultural and more about the building renovation.
1: Yeah, and, and I have only, I've only been back once since the building has been renovated. And it was actually the very first game. It was that Little Rock game. Um, in 2016, that that's the only time that I've actually been there since. But even watching on television, it, it just doesn't feel like it's the same. I mean, you, you you think back to how the O'Connell Center used to be, especially down in the lower bowl. It was very kind of ramshackle. Now it's all kind of you know modern NBA. Got this modern NBA lighting. You don't have the garage door in the corner. You don't have the <laughs> the scoreboard clock. You don't the scoreboard's in the corner. You know it's all seating. There's no more you know bleachers down there, and to me, that's one thing that really just kind of stands out to me is, is the areas behind the baskets don't seem as lively as they used to be back before renovations. I mean, the Rowdies are still there. You know, they're they, you know, doing their thing. Of course, it was spring break last night, which didn't help matters um, in terms of student attendance. But behind the baskets, to me, it seems like it's not quite as lively as it used to be. And that really makes a difference in terms of the environment.
0: So, Chris, I mean, how, do the, how does the committee evaluate a team that has – now three of, their, three of their home losses are to teams in the top ten that are either on the one, the two, or the three line, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but two of them are not good, and they're not teams that Florida traditionally loses to at home.
1: No, they're, they're not, but they're also a couple teams that this year, you know, aren't really the greatest matchups for a Florida team that, you know, is a little bit undersized, especially, you know, you think about Georgia being a lot bigger inside and South Carolina – you know being a little bit more as well. So well that's one thing I think you kind of keep in mind. The other side of it is is, is Forest still has that relatively decent non-conference schedule that granted the net doesn't like it quite as much as Ken Palm or the RPI would have necessarily. It's down, you know, down to 132 according to the network. Ken Palm, it's you know more around the top 40 I believe. So so that's one thing that that might not help as much as you'd think. Um, the best wins uh, the best wins coming on the road for the most part really do help. I think that's one thing the committee will, will like, you know, beating LSU on the road, winning at Alabama when, you know, teams really kind of struggle to do that. Oh, LSU, you know, actually managed to escape with a win yesterday. Um, that kind of helps. And and again, there's not really any bad losses there other than those two to South Carolina and Georgia, which are quadrant three, but it's not like Washington losing to Cal. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. right. So, so that's one thing that kind of keeps you know, QC positive that and the net is still good. The net's still at 35. That's really definitely in that at large range, even though we're still not kind of not really sure how the committee is going to work with that. But we're going to go with that as being a positive right now. <laughs> and you kind of look around and, and you look at the other resumes that are out there that are kind of in a slur position. You know, Indiana was a team that you had mentioned. Indiana, who's, you know, three and 12 in their last 15 and has only beaten. And Michigan State is two of those wins. So you yeah. kind of think about that. And actually you kind of look at their resume and this is where kind of the quadrants get a little bit, a little, get a little bit messy. You look at their two worst losses are the Northwestern Rutgers who were in that 90 to 95 range. So they're just a little bit better than the two worst losses than Florida has with South Carolina and Georgia being just outside of that, you know, a 95 and one Oh two. So, and he kind of looked down the list and Georgetown's another team has kind of come up and, And they have a couple really bad losses in SMU and then Loyola they lost to in Jamaica back before Thanksgiving, who's 141. Creighton, Creighton, you know, kind of the good thing for them, you know, a team I keep an eye on just because they don't have any bad losses. Their worst loss came to to Xavier, who's in the top 70 and is kind of in that same position where he kind of had the Big East right now where you have about six teams that have very similar 500 or so conference records that are pretty much indistinguishable from one another. So... So really it's an absolute mess this year and, and to me the thing that really is kind of keeping Florida kinda on of the forefront is that that high net and the fact they have a top, you know, twenty road win that not a lot of teams are, you know, really have.
0: So so let's say this. Florida has the top twenty road win, which I think maybe distinguishes them from another let's say, let's just pick another Power Six team, NC State. Yes. Um
1: <laughs> another one. Their-
0: What's their best win. Their best win is against another bubble team, right? Florida has at least two wins in Ole Miss and LSU that are against teams that are going to be in the field.
1: Yeah, by by net, NC State's four best wins are Auburn, who's on the bubble, but I think is going to be okay.
0: Okay. okay. Syracuse
1: and Clemson at home, which are quad two right now. And here's the thing, and this is why I really think they're going to have to tweak the net this year in the offseason. Their fourth best loss is to Penn State who's 49th in the net with a seriously a losing record. <laughs> they're 49th in the net with a losing record. So, and, and they're not the only team that's kind of in that position right now. So, so yeah, that's, and and their worst loss is Wake Forest, who's just barely inside the top 200. So these are the kind of profiles you're, you're being compared against that they're just very seriously flawed and their nets 31 and, and, I had said this in another podcast at one point, and actually Warren Nolan, who's kind of, you know, the the net data source that I use, because he gets the information and is able to, you know, get it onto individual team pages for team sheets. And he was talking about North Carolina State's net being as high as it is. And, and what it is, is we all know that they're capping margin of victory in the net at 10. They aren't capping the offensive and defensive efficiency numbers. So, NC State, you know, had a whole bunch of games in the non-conference they have. I'm looking right now. They have seven games here against teams ranked 290th or worse. They won all of those handily, just blew them out. And I think what happened was, is, and he thinks what happened was, is the efficiency on those games, offensively and defensively, you know, are just basically running a feedback loop and kind of inflating NC state's numbers (laughs) all the way through. And you look at Virginia tech and it's kind of a similar situation for them though. They have a a few more quality wins than the Wolfpack
0: do. Yeah. Maybe Texas as well. If you look at their non-conference because they're 16 and 13, but their net is 33.
1: Yeah. The net is 33, but their non-conference is is really good because they're, you know, that's true. And NC state's is 300. NC state's is dead last. They're 353 out of 353. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's not what you want in the and old days that would they they wouldn't even get a look at 353 and i think so like if the committee were going to make an example of a power six and say you know what this is a year we're going to let in an extra mid-major yeah
1: like it seems <laughs> like
0: in, <laughs> right it seems like if you were looking at a resume and one has Furman and one has nc stay, state and it's blind blind resume test Furman's going to get in
1: I, I would definitely think so I would think that you know they're 4 and 5 against quadrants run 1 and 2 with that one quad, quadrant run win. NC State is 7 and 8. So yeah, I mean not quite, you know, a little bit better, you know, kind of even in the winning percentage department, but you know and and honestly Furman's worst loss is to Samford which again, quadrants, quad 4, but they're 165 and then North Carolina State's is to Wake who is, you know, like I said just barely inside the top 200.
0: Yeah, and anybody that's seen Wake play could debate whether they're a top 200 team.
1: <laughs> yes, I I saw them play <laughs> Syracuse yesterday, so that was <laughs> definitely the
0: case. <laughs> um, so you know, is this? A, do you think this is a year? Well, we always ask this question, like, like we're in this like feudal system where there's like the power six overlords, and then. <laughs> And then you're like mid majors are the surfs. So is that what Seth Davis calls them? The Surfs. <laughs> I believe so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like I feel like I feel like maybe this is a year where the surfs could get some love, particularly if things get kind of wacky at conference tournaments. Like if Liberty wins yeah. and Lipscomb doesn't, you could look at Lipscomb's resume and say, Okay. Maybe vis a vis NC State, or maybe even visa via Florida, who has had all these chances to win games. But they've got the really the the two wins. That's or it.
1: thinking more head to head. Remember that Lipscomb won at TCU, and TCU yeah, another well, there, team yeah. in that situation. Which right. again,
0: not so good for Florida because Florida losing at TCU. But but yeah, that's yeah. something to keep in mind. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, I mean, is that when you sit down and do your seed lines, you know, you're just looking at the resumes altogether. You can't really decide what the committee is not necessarily going to do what you would do, but do you feel like this is a year where there's space for that, I guess is the question. I
1: think there absolutely is. And, you know, you kind of, like I said, you think about kind of like the Big East, and this is something that I've noticed pretty much in every conference. There's not really kind of a, there's not really a good kind of a middle group. Second divisions are not as strong as they usually are. Like you kind of think about the SEC last year, the second division was a little bit better and that kind of helped things out. I mean, for most conferences, it's pretty clear-cut, you know, which teams are contending, which teams are not. And, you know, you think about the Big, eight, Big 12, for example, where they have eight teams that are pretty solidly there, and the other two are like, forget it. The ACC, you have nine teams that are like very much in the picture. The other six are completely non-factors. You don't have that kind of that second group that really is kind of a true bubble. You kind of have an in or an out group, and that's really kind of what's making things kind of messy this year.
0: That's interesting. Um, what do you make of Houston now after after what happened Saturday? I have always been a little bit skeptical about Houston,
1: even you know having the even though they beat LSU, just because you know they try to do well in non conference. Not a lot of those games really pan out, except really for that LSU game, and and honestly, Utah State visited too, and that was another one that actually kind of ended up working for them. And the American hasn't, you know, American has been better this year, but it's still not really awesome because Cincinnati has been a little bit underwhelming. Um, Temple hasn't been able to get out of its own way. UCF really, you know, had a, you know, had beaten Alabama in non-conference, which kind of helped them out a little bit, but they had really just kind of been floating around in conference play and not really making a serious impact until yesterday. So, so to me, it's kind of like, yeah, this team, you know, has potentially have a good record, but we don't really know how good it actually is and, I think that really kind of is going
0: to hurt them in terms of seeding. What about, um, so, I mean, I would think that if that's your evaluation of the team that's winning that league, then, you know, UCFs might be in a more precarious position than, than maybe they think.
1: Maybe, but maybe not just because, again, UCF <laughs> is kind of doing a little bit more than what other people put in their position have been doing. You know, gotcha. I think going out to Houston and winning that game really did wonders for their profile because looking at it, I mean, they've got two sub 100 losses and one is the Wichita Studios, probably going to be in the top 100 at some point because they're, they're getting, you know, back into some semblance of being what they used to be, even though they're not going to be really a postseason contender this year, but they're winning again and FAU who's barely in the top 150, you know, that's probably going to still be a quadrant three you know, lost for a while, but, but really that's it. Everything else, they pretty much, you know, taken care of all the games they needed to take care of. And that's a lot more that can be said for a lot of the competition out there.
0: What's your, what's your least favorite. This is kind of off the, the beaten bubble bracketology path, but what's your least favorite first round game? Like, is it eight nines? Are you a person that's like these eight, nine games for teams from power six conferences that kind of sucked And, but didn't totally suck so bad that they missed the NCAA tournament. And like, it would be just so much better if it were like Northern Iowa taking three pointers with like, nine, you know, 20 seconds to go against Kansas then. (laughs) Right. Like um, who was the guy that hit that shot? I forgot. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what's your, what's your, what's your, what's the first round? Like everybody loves the opening weekend, but there's always, there's always something. And you're just like, why am I watching this game? For me, it's eight nines.
1: Yeah. Eight, nine is pretty much as close as I get to despising anything that has to do with the first weekend of the tournament. (laughs) Because, because as you said, it's just, I'm looking at the list of teams here and right now, you know, it's the, the eight list on my seed list is Baylor, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Syracuse. But you know, granted one of those teams I, you know, I care about and that's fine. So that's one thing I'm not going to be mad about. And then the other is Washington, Louisville, Oklahoma, and UCF. And it's like, <sighs> I'm looking at some of these matchups and it's like, eh, it's, you know, it's kind of like bowl games where you get tired of seeing the same kind of bowl games over and over again. That's kind of how these eight, nine game matchups feel to me a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could get behind Ole Miss just because it's a great story. Year one under Kermit Davis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can't, I don't know how thrilled I'd be about, like, if it's a ten thirty game, <laughs> and it's Oklahoma Ole Miss. Yeah. Like, and it's true TV. And, you know, and there's no more Gus Johnson. Like, what am I watching this Yeah. Year? <laughs> okay. But that That's kind of I, – I thought that would be your answer. But, you know, because some people are like, that's an argument to put in more mid-majors, right? The 8-9 game sucks. And I'm like, well, they're seated too high at that point. So it's not really an argument for that. Yeah. Um, and that's also a, the point of, this year. The point, of the
1: bracket, where I'm putting my seed list together, wh- where the teams really start to kind of blend together. So, I, so I'm getting to that point, especially line nine. Line eight, you know, there's kind of some differentiation there. But once line nine rolls around, I'm like, wh- why, why do we still have six? Why do we have 36 at larges this year again?
0: <laughs> who, who's a uh, who, who's g- give me a bubble team that. You look at it and you say, I wouldn't be stunned if they were in the Sweet 16. That's a really good question. I'm going to say one team
1: that I would keep an eye on is Arizona State. Just okay. because, you know, they seem to kind of get they, – they're one of those teams that seems to really love to play up to their level of competition or play down to their level of competition. And if they get in one of those kind of those 5-12 kind of matchups, they're probably looking for right now 5-12, 6-11 – where it's going to be kind of even, you know, that's going to be a coin flip game for them. But if they get out of it (laughs) and play, you know, a four seed or a three seed in the next round, that would be a matchup that I think would be kind of terrifying because they have enough guys who can kind of go off and hit shots at that. You know,
0: that could be a shocker. So I'm going to kind of cop out and say Belmont. Yes. Because, like, I could see morant just taking over that conference tournament and we're we're going to talk to chris about conference tournaments Mm. in a minute um and belmont losing yeah and then rick bird being like well i have an nba player in (laughs) dylan windler yeah and i have kevin mcclain who can hit shots from 28 feet and we're not like grandma's belmont yeah, know, like they can match up with people for once.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the thing. This is Belmont is a team that, you know, every time they get in and every time they get a 12 or a 13, that's the team that people like, oh, this is the year Belmont's going to do it. No, this year, we're not crying wolf here. This is the year Belmont really <laughs> can do it. And, and, <laughs> and it, you're, if you're talking about Lipscomb being an at large candidate, they beat Lipscomb twice. So, yeah, they, they're right now, you look at their profile, they're five and two against quad one and quad two you're you're going to fa- have a hard time finding even power conference teams with the winning percentage against the top 2 quads
0: that's that good. So yeah, they're going to they're going to get a look. See, and this is why I think a team like like St. John's yeah. that that lays oh. an egg today against <laughs> uh against Depaul, right? Yes. Um and hey, you know, f- let's tip of the hat to Depaul for not being terrible yes. this season. Um you yeah, know, that's progress at that program. Um but like, if I look at St. John's resume and I look at Belmont's, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to put Belmont in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, St. John's does have the really good, you know, they have six quad one wins. They swept Marquette. They beat Nova once. But you look, again, the non-conference schedule, and this is, again, if the committee wants to make his example of a team, this is another one, 196. You know, they, they really didn't do much in November and December to really kind of work towards getting a bid in a year that, Hey, you know, we think that St. John's is talented enough to get a bid. We're going to go ahead and schedule like, you know, it's two years ago and we're still rebuilding. Send them to Dayton and let them play Alabama. That that's another one (laughs) because Alabama is another one of those teams where it's like, it feels like it's like Alabama and Seton Hall are both trying to just make that win over Kentucky, just carry them over the finish line. And they're not willing to put in the work to actually, you know, do anything more, to kind of push them towards the goal, <laughs> and and I think those are two teams that I really think are are, are going to have to be very careful over the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, and I think that's sort of like you mentioned it earlier, but for for the Florida people that are like, where does Florida fit in in this conversation? Like, it's amazing that Florida's win at Alabama, yeah, could like linger as the like, who are we sending to Dayton tiebreaker <laughs> if everything goes terribly for Florida in the next three games. And we, we, you know, we kind of talk about loss
1: numbers because, you know, Florida, you know, has 12 losses right now. And people are like, oh, well, that's good. But keep in mind, LSU at home in Kentucky, you know, that's potentially two more losses there, which would be 14. And then right. if you lose, you know, unless you win the SEC tournament, well, at which point the losses aren't going to matter because you have the bid, you're going to pick up a 15th loss at that point. And the thing is, though, We had two years in a row, we've had a 15 loss team get in both times out of the SEC with Vanderbilt in 2017 in Alabama last year. And honestly, I think that's probably going to have, we're probably going to have another 15 loss team, if not multiple ones this year, just because we're not at the situation where we were last year in terms of a whole bunch of double-digit loss teams getting in, um, And the year before, really, it's kind of been a thing over the past few years with with the expanded field. But this year, like I said, with the conference is kind of being stratified and and there being a whole lot more single digit loss teams out there that are kind of dominating the top of leagues. We don't have as many, you know, 10, 11, 12 loss teams, but we really have the possibility just because of what's out there of having multiple 14 and 15 loss teams getting in like Texas, you know, Florida, Alabama kind of in that group right now. Um, if things break, right, you know, you could have Creighton. So yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how many, you know, really te- teams we kind of have going in that are going to be kind of making history on
0: that front. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's a bit of dubious, uh, history, but certainly, you know, it's crazy. I mean, there's just so much happened last night with the Gators in terms of squandered opportunities. I know in a bunch of different places they run at least an eight or a nine yeah. entering the game. And, you know, by all intents and purposes, it was basically a, a, a play, a puncher ticket game in my view. Yep. I mean, it was it's hard to imagine them getting left out with, with 10 wins in the SEC. Yeah. And, and they lose, which also means that they're going to have to play on Thursday, barring a miraculous week. Yeah. Uh, in Nashville. Because what um, was it?
1: They went from like fourth to eighth?
0: Fourth to seventh or eighth. They may be eighth. They really might. But I know the thing, they beat they beat Ole Miss. Yeah, but I, I think the schedule sets up where Ole Miss is likely to get ten wins. Yeah. The thing so.
1: the thing that got me though when I saw that projected SEC tournament bracket up there was like I'm looking at him like that's that sure that's the four seed, but those are not good matchups. It's like a whole bunch of teams. <laughs> that, it's like Vander, Vanderbilt and Missouri, which I'm like I, I guess Vanderbilt's fine, Missouri's kind of a tough team, but then it was Georgia again you know you know well georgia was on the losing side so it was uh, yeah so i think georgia was in there and it, it was just i was just looking at them like this is just a whole bunch of teams
0: that florida is not gonna play well against Whoa. yeah and i felt like i feel like florida like if south, Carolina's the yeah, south that, carolina is a team yeah south carolina yeah south carolina was I kind five. of i don't mind that one yeah i don't mind that one florida led that game by 14 and never should have lost yeah uh and and in his tenure at Florida, now I say this after yesterday's debacle, but um, traditionally Mike White's been pretty good the second time yeah. he's gotten a look at somebody. Um, you know, the, the staff makes good adjustments. Yeah, uh, we saw that with Butler this year, right? Oh like, yes, <laughs> they knew what to do. Yeah, um, and and so I feel like you know they're not gonna a they're not gonna have Anthony Jordan not calling hook it hook calls on, on Silva late in the game. Like they're, you know, one would hope Uh that they'll, they'll get those calls at least once. And then, um, you know, I don't think they'll, they'll let us 14 point lead slip and South Carolina seems to be trending the wrong direction, but you know, there are, there are some pitfall Thursday matchups for the Gators. Yeah. Um, And I don't think, I don't think Florida is in a position where they can lose Every game and still get in. Where they no. go for the committee does not like you when you lose four straight games. No. So they're going to have to figure out a way to win some to win a game here <laughs> in the next in the next week and a half. I think. Yeah, I'm. So, I'm, I'm hopeful.
1: I'm hopeful that you know Wednesday will be it because, as you said, you know getting LSU a second time. Granted, like I said, playing at home right now, it's not the same. But like you said. Mike White makes good adjustments, and this is the team that Florida's already beaten
0: once. So yeah, and the, and the Tigers have been fortunate in some of their uh, road wins. You might say <laughs> <laughs> they they sneak out of Georgia. I mean, they were that Alabama game was one possession with a minute to go. Yeah. Um, so Kentucky, I mean, a game they probably shouldn't have won, and then of course even you know the Tennessee game at home, right? A very questionable. Oh, great point. So. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's not like they blow people's doors off on the road. Um and and you know, so I think that that's all good and certainly they should Florida Florida has to know the stakes now after what happened Saturday. So it's one of those you know, if this program has an MO in the last two years, other than like conf it's confounding home losses and then rally from confounding yes. home losses.
1: <laughs> they they really know how to play with their backs against
0: the wall. Yeah, they circle the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Uh huh. um so conference tournaments uh can you believe it's conference tournament time i i can't i i absolutely can't
1: (laughs) i I am a little disappointed that some conferences are kind of being a little slow in getting their brackets up like i was waiting for the wcc last night and i'm like i forget i'm just gonna go to bed that didn't end up coming out until this afternoon Waiting on the Mac right now. Come on, Metro Atlantic, get your get your button gear and you know get your bracket out so I can upload it on the Conference Tournament Central.
0: Yeah, yeah, we need it. And and tell people where they can find Conference Tournament Central before conference. we talk about conference tournaments.
1: Conference Tournament Central is on vlogging the bracket. Um, I try to get everything updated as quickly as I possibly can, but like I said, the conferences sometimes don't.
0: <laughs> don't don't. i'm gonna retweet it again yeah i'm gonna retweet it again and and we'll retweet it from the uh florida bb hour twitter so we'll retweet it from mine and there and and everybody listening you know make sure you go to this because it is like my go-to research because you don't have to click multiple things
1: yeah
0: um which is which is always good what's one that starts this week that you're jazzed about
1: um, the Ohio Valley, even though we really kind of have to wait until Friday to get to the good stuff because the Ohio Valley is one of those conferences that does the, the step ladder bracket where the, the top two seeds get the bye all the way to the semifinals, so they only have to win two games. And, of course, the two teams there that got that are Belmont and Murray State, who we've already mentioned. And, you know, the two teams that are the three and the four seed are kind of interesting in that it's Jacksonville State, who's beaten Belmont twice. And it's probably the yeah. reason why Belmont, you know, isn't kind of a, a stone cold at large lock at this point and Austin P who's pretty good as well. So, I mean, you have four pretty good teams and, and, you know, the, the double header, which will be on ESPNU on Friday night would be potentially Belmont and Austin P and then Jacksonville state and Murray state Belmont is probably very thankful. They don't have to deal with Jacksonville state probably for a third time this year. Until maybe Saturday, which will be that'll be the first official um, ticket scanned
0: for the NCAA tournament this year. So that's interesting. And that's one of the ones that I'm really excited about, too. And I'm kind of hoping for that third Jacksonville State Belmont battle, just because I feel like those, you know, those teams, Jacksonville State defends really well. I mean, to be like, they're in the top eighty in, in defense efficiency and Kimpom, which is pretty remarkable for somebody from the OVC. Yeah. Actually. And like they're perfectly content if that game is played at a snail's pace. And that irritates McLean and Windler. Yeah. And so it just becomes like how do they react to that with so much on the line?
1: Yeah, because I'm looking at the I'm looking at it right now and the first game played in Nashville was sixty nine possessions. And of course, the second one that they played in Alabama was, you know, 85, but that was an overtime game. So yeah. Belmont Belmont tried to speed them up a little bit, and it didn't really work out because they ended up losing that game by 11 in overtime, So, <laughs> yeah. which is just kind of funny how that works out.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. The, uh, the Kings of overtime are LSU, 5-1 so yes. in overtime. But, but uh, yeah, it's weird to lose by 11 in overtime. That's, that's very unusual.
1: So, so that's one to kind of keep an eye on the, the other one uh, starts actually Monday and that's the Atlantic sun. And that's one that's played all on home courts. And of course, that's your, that's your two biggies, Lipscomb and Liberty. And honestly, if anybody else wins that tournament, they're going to probably be headed to Dayton because they're all pretty much terrible. Well, we have a bit of an interloper there because they're letting North Alabama play in their first season of eligibility. So if North Alabama goes on a run, it's kind of like Stetson a couple of years ago when Stetson played when it was ineligible and got to the final. And in that <laughs> case, the ASUN bylaws are such that, or the ASUN rules are such that the regular season champion goes, not the loser of the conference title game if that team happens to be the only, you know, eligible team left.
0: Okay. So, well, you know, the real fly in the ointment in that one is North Florida, right? Yeah. I mean they've won seven games in a row. Yeah. I think they're the I think they might be the third seed.
1: Yes, they are they're the ones playing North Alabama.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, and, they enter- even, and they
1: even beat Liberty, so and that would be on Liberty's side of the bracket. So something to keep in mind there.
0: That is pretty interesting that, you know, cause you don't usually like those are the teams you watch and in like, if, you know, a lot of times you're not paying attention and you're like, well, Matt Driscoll's team is really hot right now. And so that's how, when you fill out your bracket, when you get your bracket in your cold hands in two weeks or, or your warm hands, if you're not in <laughs> Chicago, um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, Hey, how'd this North Florida team go 18 and 16 and get in, you are like, well, they won their last nine games. That's how, Yeah. <laughs> really wouldn't shock me. No. Um, no. Uh, what I, – I said the American um, because I like – I liked Houston a lot more until I watched them for 40 minutes this weekend. Yeah. Uh, the American was one for me, the like next tier beyond the Power Six. Yeah. And in fact, I'm looking forward to the American tournament more than probably – the Pac-12 tournament. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) But why? The Pac-12 tournament just could be unbounded wildness.
0: That's true. It could be complete chaos with Bill Walton.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, the Big East, you know, with so many teams kind of hovering around 500, who knows, that's, you know, a whole bunch of coin flip games there, especially with, you know, Marquette now not, you know, playing quite as well as, you know, they were playing even a couple weeks ago.
0: So, I mean, you love Syracuse, like, what is your view of the Big East tournament in the contemporary world? I mean, it's still at the garden, but but I mean, how have you adjusted to that as as a college basketball guy? It's been hard for me. It's it's not the same.
1: It's not the same teams, especially when you basically have half the Big East not being on the East Coast. And Granny, you no, know, it got a little bit like that when, you know, we kinda had gone into the sixteen team. You know, let's call up all these teams from Conference USA and you know, expand the league westward and southward. You know, it's not the same, but you still had you know still had a core teams, and you still have a core teams with this group. But there's still a lot of just unfamiliar kind of names. It's like, you know, Xavier, weren't you in the A10? You know, not too long ago. Butler, weren't you in the A10 for you know a minute and a half not too long ago? Creighton, why aren't you playing Wichita State? They're in another conference that's kind of related to this one, but not really anymore. It's it's just a really strange group of teams and. It's not the same.
0: Yeah, no that that's true. I think that's right. What? Let, let's put let's put Chris on the spot. What what tournament of the Big Twelve, the the SEC, and the ACC, which one gives us the best chance for a chalk Saturday semifinal, Oof. or chalk Friday semifinal, as it were. I would normally
1: have said the ACC, but we don't know kind of what's going on still with Zion Williamson. I think I think that's kind of one thing there to kind of keep in mind.
0: And Florida State's weird, right? Yeah.
1: And, and the Big 12 is out, too, because you're potentially going to have Kansas as like the three seed, and they're playing virtually at home. <laughs> so what was my third option?
0: <laughs> so you're going with the Southeastern Conference. Yes, I'm going Whoever... with the
1: Southeastern Conference, yes.
0: So LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, and whoever is the fourth seed yeah. plays on. <laughs> All right. I like it. Yeah, I, I, like I it. think
1: so. And especially, you know, playing in Nashville with Kentucky and Tennessee, you know, having good fan support, I think really that's going to kind of be there. And, you know, if Florida had been the four seed, I might have been a little bit feeling a little bit differently just because I, like I said, I didn't like the matchups kind of in that section. Yeah. But now, now it's like, no, let's let's go. LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, and whoever the four seed is—I think that's probably the most likely
0: option of the three. So I was listening to Rob Dowster, and he was saying that he thinks Tennessee should not want to be on Florida's side of the bracket because hmm. he felt like he felt like like the game in Nashville, the game in Knoxville, was weird because Florida played terrible. Yeah, but but the game in Gainesville, like Florida dominated Tennessee for half an hour. Yeah. And then just kind of crumbled, and he doesn't think that they would crumble a third time. Well, <laughs> I was like Rob. I mean, I, I'm all for this theory, yeah. Right, but but I don't know, man. I, it's so hard for me to see like Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield losing to Florida in the conference tournament.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're all you know we're all in favor of, of like we said, Mike White making good adjustments, but that that can only go so far when you're dealing with a team with that kind of talent level. So, yeah, I think that that to me that's one that I think I would probably you know say not so much. I think that Tennessee probably wouldn't really have too much to worry about if they had Florida waiting for them in the SEC
0: tournament bracket. Yeah, I think he's got the wrong. Like, I feel like it's Auburn that that Florida would be would be okay with playing. Like, give yeah. us another shot at Auburn. Yes. Like Auburn played a perfect game essentially. Yes. Florida played terrible. And the Gators lost by 13. Like I think a second go around, um, with the improvements that Florida has made, getting to the basket, like that's probably who you're you're banking on if you're in the quarters for Florida. If you want to win two games in Nashville, like get that first game and then go beat Auburn in a quarterfinal, maybe. Yeah,
1: that would. Yeah, that would probably do it because again, that's a team that's kind of in that similar bubble position that doesn't have that
0: win over a top 15 team that Florida does. So um, let's put Chris on the spot one more time and then then we'll call it a night. But I, this one's hard for me too. And that that's why I just ask experts things. Um, <laughs> would you rather see UNC Duke again or you, or would you rather see Zion play and see if Duke can beat Virginia three times? I definitely want to see Zion back and try to see if they can beat
1: Virginia three times because – that that second game in particular, I don't think that there's any way that
0: they're going to shoot that well against Virginia again. Okay. See, this is we agree on this, and I know it's like it's like we. I mean, we're probably going to get struck by lightning <laughs> for the blasphemy of rejecting a UNC, but but like give me let me see if someone beat Tony Bennett's team a third time. Yeah, because uh, I just I do not think it can be done. <laughs> you want to talk um, about
1: adjustments? I think that that's yeah. I don't think that that's
0: going to happen a third time. <laughs> I I don't either and and it's so uh like, I don't know I I if you had asked me a week ago who's going to win the ACC I would have said Virginia. Yeah. And if you ask me now who's going to win the ACC tournament I still say Virginia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um but but so much of it is like what happens with Zion. It's the same thing with the Big 10 tournament, right? Like what is Michigan State now? Are they just going to be Cassius Winston? Yeah versus the world i mean i'm cool with that that's that's kind of it's kind of unique for michigan state to be in that underdog role and of course that sets up a very another very interesting question what happens if indiana plays michigan state again <laughs> <laughs> right right um it, and then michigan has an injury that could, yeah you know charles matthews um, yeah yeah so that i mean i don't i don't know what what the deal is like their favorites are so it's hard to figure out that league and then like there's wisconsin just kind of plodding along and you're like ah maybe they'll win the conference tournament
1: well the thing with michigan is though you look at what they did against maryland today and you know going back and to thursday what they did against nebraska and of course winning at maryland is a lot more impressive at this point but they seem to do all right without Matthews. so you know, I think that, that that's a team that, that is defensively good enough and has enough tools offensively and is well-coached enough, I think, to kind of get through that more so, you know, than kind of Michigan State who has kind of injury issues beyond just, you know, their 1A guy
0: that's out. Yeah, I mean, John, John line is a wizard. Yeah. They'll figure something out. I mean, it's like, and that's the thing, because they're, like, the the Matthews injury is bad. I mean, that's not great. It's not good news. No, but But the – it's not Michigan state where it's a mash unit. Yeah. And it's just Tom Izzo is like, all right, what can I do to make sure Cassius Winston plays great? <laughs> and and we have a chance in the final minute. Um, I don't know, but so, so give everybody a shout out on terms of, of finding you on Twitter. And, you know, we talked about, they can find your work at plugging the bracket. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to support, and, and tweet out, you know, the stuff that you have coming out and, and appreciate your time talking the bracket with us. But go ahead. And...
1: Well, we'll have a new bracket on SB Nation on Tuesday and then on Friday. And then at that point, we pretty much go every day um, the rest of the way. Um, and then, of course, as we get closer to championship to selection Sunday, it'll be, you know, more than that. We'll do a little bit more bubble talk. We, we tend to get a little more serious about it as it gets closer because we don't want to <laughs> wear people out too much. Um, Trying to do a seed list every day on BloggingTheBracket.com, though real life sometimes kind of gets in the way of that. Um, of course, we still do. Uh, we'll still have net um, TV viewing guides up until we get into next weekend, when of course that'll kind of be more conference championship focused. Um, so uh, they're blogging the bracket, nation.com for brackets, and then of course I, I put all those on BloggingTheBracket too. So. You don't even have to worry about SBNation.com. And then on Twitter is at Chris um, Though, of course, sometimes I'll go silent. on there when I have to write. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking is not, not, not quite as easy for me as
0: it used to be when I started doing this 10 years ago. So 11, 12 years ago. Well, again, we, uh, we appreciate your time and, and um, you know, enjoy uh, conference tournaments absolutely this this to me is the best part this is this is the
1: fun part even though it's a lot of work even more so than the NCAAs because you still have pretty much everybody except for you know the handful of teams that have already been knocked out um that are still involved so this this is whatever this is when the magic happens
0: it's getting good this is March yep
1: this is March
0: <laughs>
1: need a little right, more man. excitement Neil
0: <laughs> <laughs> take care you too Neil bye hey, bye-bye